Welcome to The Scope with Dr. K. I'm Dr. Kaczynski. We're going to open the show today, as we always do, by stating that the goal of this show is to present you with a broad scope of value-based care issues, mainly involving the field of gastroenterology, but also outside of GI as well. Today, we are moving back to the provider side with a focus on new technologies. We are fortunate to have on the show today a true innovator in GI. Dr. Sri Komanduri is an internationally recognized expert in advanced endoscopy with a focus on Barrett's esophagus. He currently serves as the Associate Chief of Gastroenterology and Hepatology and Director of the Endoscopy Unit at Northwestern Medicine. He has published over 100 peer-reviewed manuscripts in gastrointestinal journals. His research is focused on the outcomes of advanced endoscopy, including predominantly EUS and ERCP. He's also focused on Barrett's esophagus and in endoscopic training and simulation. My reason for bringing Sri on the show today is because of his work at the American Gastroenterological Association, the AGA, where he's chaired the AGA's Center for GI Technology for the last three years. It's a committee that brings together some of the most innovative and dynamic minds in GI today, and then brings their work to the GI community. I've had the privilege of working with Sri for the last year on CJIR and continue to be impressed with how he has his finger on the pulse of new GI technologies, as well as the digital empowerment revolution. We will hear all about this on the show today. Welcome to the show, Sri. Thank you. Uh, glad to be here today. All right. Well, we're, we're privileged to have you on. I usually like to start the show by allowing the guests to tell the listeners a little bit about themselves. I gave you a little background on him, but it's always better to hear from the source themselves. So, Sri, tell the listeners about your background, your career. How did you get to where you are today? Thank you. I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, so I started my medical career uh, as a student down in South Florida, the University of Miami. You know, they always tell you there is uh, one or two people in your career where you have very, you know, a gl- you have a glimpse of, of, of something that molds your future. And I think, I know Larry's had these types of moments. And it's funny because I, I where I trained, there was a sort of a legendary gastroenterologist, uh, R.V. Rogers, and if you remember that name, and RV was in sort of that time, you know, this is in the, in the mid to late 90s. Innovation really wasn't where it is now. Uh, I didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I still, you know, we still wrote notes on paper. And um, and the interesting piece was he was the master of the physical exam. And he was a master of history taking and, and looking ahead into my career and how uh, how much is focused on sort of the antithesis or opposite of this in, in terms of innovation and what we do and how how tied we are to the digital world. It really was a moment for me of why I went into to it wasn't really about the scopes. It wasn't about procedural aspects of why I would went ultimately go into gastroenterology, but it was, it was having that experience and just seeing the breadth of knowledge and the sort of uh the ability of true medicine shining through to his patients was really really one of the influences uh kind of pushed me forward into medicine uh and then onward into GI. And I think subsequently to that I had the pleasure of training up here in Chicago at Rush University Medical Center. Um, and there I had some more influences that guided me towards a more uh, advanced endoscopy type of field. Um, and I spent some time uh, as faculty at Rush and then ultimately now 15 years at Northwestern University um, here in Chicago um, uh, in sort of the, this role in advanced endoscopy. Did you spend time with uh, Dr. Keshavarzian at Rush? I did. And Dr. Keshavarzian was also another mentor. And it's interesting, a lot of my mentors were nothing to do 
with the guys who, who handle the scope with a lot of a lot of their time. Uh, very um, uh, influential people who cared and, and sort of you know really uh, guide you into what a compassionate, what a real. You know, some of the things I don't think we see today, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that really the empathy of being a physician, which sometimes is uh, is lost, and, and really artists. They're truly artists in their time, and I think. That does kind of bring bring us to you know what we're here for, and and you know I've spent the bulk of my career trying to understand. I had a very strong interest in education and training of physicians and 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 trainees. Uh, and trainees are sort of a different animal. They're always eager and hunger hungry to learn. But I've always kind of struggled a little bit: is how do we improve pathways for those in practice to continue their education? I think there are people who do this well across the world. Uh, I think there's different sort of environments in medicine across the world, but the U.S. is a little bit of a different place. Hand in hand with that has become innovation. And, and I think it's what we're getting to. And innovation can mean so many different things. And and I know, Larry, we've talked about this. For some people who are just you know, a little bit of a tunnel of vision, it's not, it's, it can be about, okay, what's the next device? What's the next widget? And we know that's not what it, that's just the, the surface of innovation, especially in gastroenterology and medicine. It's about operations. It's about practice. It's about, you know, our interactions with patients. Every step of the way, how we provide care can be innovated in some way. And I think that's what the center at the AGA represents. Um, And that's what I've sort of kind of tried to merge my interests of education and innovation together. Uh, And it's really nicely come to this type of of a center. I think there are big gaps and barriers right now in terms of the ability for physicians, especially in private practice in medicine, to innovate their practice. It's it's so many hurdles, whether it's not just the intra sort of the, the healthcare system, the hospitals, and all the different red tape you have to get through just to to do something different for your patients. A lot of times people in practice to say, hey, whatever, I'm just going to keep going. And that's what we want to change is how do we accelerate that. And that's what centers like CJIT need to really focus on. It's not about all about the new widgets. It's about taking everyday practice for our patients and making it amenable and a place where innovation can thrive. You didn't mention this, but you do run course at Northwestern, an endoscopy course at Northwestern that is designed, uh, I'll let you explain it, but it is designed to help bring up the skill set of practicing gastroenterologists. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, <clears throat> there, there are a lot of courses uh, in GI and endoscopy. Uh, a lot of them focus on very tertiary advanced types of procedures, which I think are great. I think what there was a paucity of was trying, you know, bringing together an endoscopy leaders to help grow the practitioner in the community. And, and again, bring the skill set up as a whole, as a, as a, as a, you know, group of gastroenterologists such that, you know, a private practice gastroenterologist now does more, takes on more. And my hope, honestly, with that was how do we get their interest to peak and their sort of thirst for innovation to increase? And so I think we found this to be valuable when we start taking physicians and saying, hey, you don't need to always refer this type of patient to a an academic medical center. Let's find ways, let's find efficient ways for you to also do this. And we've seen this, you know, people are doing complex endoscopy in the community now, and they aren't referring everything to an academic medical center. And that has led to a lot more interest in education around innovation. Uh, and for those, you know, the startups, the corporate, everyone is coming with different types of innovation. Um, you know, look at sonar, look at look at tools that are, you know, app-based, that are patient-facing. We still have a lot of movement to make with our practicing gastroenterologists to look at all these tools and, and and get them to say, hey, I need to incorporate these in my practice. 
because they really do ultimately help patient outcome. You know, as someone who practiced for 35 years, the listeners can only imagine the change in technology that occurred from when I started practice in 1984 to what we are today. And some of it I was able to advance through. I mean, I, I did a lot of work. I was the first person to take out a common duckstone at my hospital. Uh, and, you know, you know, uh, sclerotherapy, you know, all those early innovative things in the 80s. But when the new imaging tools came out, the EUS, that was not something that someone can just add to their repertoire. It takes formal training. And so if you're in a group, you add you add somebody with those new skill sets, and then we, we added uh, interventional endoscopists as we went along. And there are some things we can advance into, and there are some things you need you need formal training on. I'd like to pivot into your research. Tell us about your research, uh, specifically your work in Barrett's. Yeah, there's sort of two avenues. The I think one with Barrett's, as you all know, Barrett's uh, esophagus is a, a condition we've dealt with as gastroenterologists for quite a while. The, the interesting piece to the story is we've treated this. We've had endoscopic therapy for, you know, Barrett's related neoplasia for the last, you know, 15 years, almost 20 years. And it's been very effective. You know, it's 95% curative, but we've actually seen the incidence of esophageal cancer, you know, not changed at all. It continues to rise. And so what really this is focused on is our ability to detect patients with this disease. And this is where innovation really kind of fits in nicely there really hasn't been a method that's feasible. And when we talk about the word screening, and we want to be thoughtful with that term, and screening for esophageal cancer is a little bit tricky because there's so few patients who seem to develop it. However, once we develop this cancer, as you know, it's, it's extremely you know difficult to treat. So over the last five years, there have been numerous tools from non-invasive uh, capsule sponge type technologies all the way through technologies that assess risk uh, on biopsy samples and different methods of acquiring tissue, all of which have been well-studied and well-looked at. But again, you start getting to this glut of, we have some great technologies, and to push it across the goal line it takes a lot. And, and as you know better than anybody, you, the, the, you know, this whole podcast is about value-based care, right? And it's, you know, how do you take all these, these tools and demonstrate reimbursement and get payments and, and get through payers and, and cross the FDA finish line? And and then open the door and then get physicians who are stubborn to accept it. <laughs> it's a challenge and it's and kudos to all that do it and can get it done. And, you know, this is where I really think as a society, as CJIT, we need to start looking ahead at that and, and understanding there's so much innovation and we got to foster that. And that's what a, a center like this is really here for is how do we help, you know, companies? How do we assist great technologies, you know, get across that line? How do we assist people getting codes? How do we assist people, you know, working with insurers and payers to, to reach more patients? Because I think it's it's not singular efforts. It's, and for too long, it's been in silos. You know, more recently, I think we've understood we got to all work as a team and unify our approach. Otherwise, we'll never win the battle. Well, you know, you answered a question for me before I even asked it to you. And, you know, one of the challenges you face is it sounds pretty clear that, you know, making an innovation through the layers of bureaucracy that are necessary to get that into the hands of the practitioners is something that they, they can actually implement into their practice, build for it, you know, provide it to patients. And then, you know, getting over the, the inertia that's out there amongst providers to take on new technologies and, and patients to accept them. So I can see, I can, I can hear from what you just said, that is, that is your major challenge. 
It's, it's getting good ideas through the process and implement it so that they actually make a difference in patients' lives. Uh, I'm going to break here for a second. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Scope with Dr. K. Our guest today is Dr. Sri Komanduri, Associate Chief of Gastroenterology and Hepatology and the Director of Endoscopy at Northwestern Medicine. I want to pivot now to the CGIP. So you and I have talked about this. We've used these words. Explain to the listeners what CGIP is. What is the Center for GI Technology? Yeah, so the CGIT or the Center for GI Innovation and Technology is, you know, sits under the AGA body um, as a as a center that really was initially brought forth, you know, years ago to provide better engagement with industry and figure out, you know, how to crack that nut a little bit. And over time, we've had the pleasure of growing it such that it has taken sort of all the different successful committees within the AGA who work on different aspects of the sort of care continuum, whether it's practice management, you know, guidelines, clinical practice, all these kinds of things that, you know, go into that adoption process and help us work together to work with innovators, entrepreneurs, investors, anyone who's sort of entwined as a stakeholder in innovation, reaching adoption. Uh, and sort of we've coined this mantra of accelerating innovation to adoption, which, you know, you see everywhere, but really has a lot of meaning to us because that's that's everything. And, and again, it's whether it's how we manage patients, how we see them in our office, the process in which you bring patients to uh, a practice, all the way down to which stent I put in, that's all innovative and all innovation. And, and that's what's been very refreshing about what we've done here with the AGA and CGIT is it lets us look at so many different processes and so many different tools and so many different companies at different stages and provide them opportunities to get in front of people who can really assist them. Uh, we've had companies who need things like clinical trial design and how to create that pivotal trial for the FDA. We've had companies who just need advice from senior corporate you know, executives. We have companies who need to get in front of payers or need to get in front of the FDA under our sort of guidance. I think all of these sort of abilities of what CGIT has to bring in the stakeholders to interact and communicate better for you know, this process of innovation is what really defines what CGIT has become. I think it's it truly is, I think, the most suited center now and anywhere in GI or maybe anywhere in medicine to really accelerate innovation. And I think we know how to work with you know, the idea all the way through the biggest corporate giant uh, along that arduous process. And we've, we've done it in different ways. And I think that's where it's exciting. I think it's it's such a great time for innovation, such a great time for so many different people with who have entrepreneurial skills, who have innovation skills, especially physicians who needed a home. I think we're building that home for our colleagues, our peers, and those who are, are interested in, in moving the field along uh, and changing the way we practice medicine. Well, I was impressed. You know, this is my second run on the AGA governing board, and I sat on the appointments committee, and I was really impressed by the fact that we had 50 doctors apply to be on the CGIT. That's not, that's not typical. That, you know, that's, that's really strange. It's a unique aspect. And it, it speaks to the fact that there is a lot of interest out there in innovation. And there are, there are, I'm sure we're, 
we're just, you know, the tip of the iceberg. Those 50 people yeah. are the tip of the iceberg. This, I'm sure there's another layer of a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs that, that see this committee, this center as, as a way to help foster their careers and, and, and allow them to continue to innovate. It's, it's, it was wonderful to see that. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on now is we have the annual Tech Summit for the CGIT. And uh, so tell us about this Tech Summit. You've, you've run it for the last three years and, and uh, tell the listeners all about it. Yeah, so it's sort of a culmination of what the center has done. We have an annual meeting, uh, which is entitled <clears throat> the AGA Tech Summit. And uh, it also has grown and evolved over time. And the, the unique aspect of this type of a meeting, you know, compared to a typical sort of a CME type meeting is really bringing together all the stakeholders we talked about. So that's, you know, anyone from a physician innovator to a payer, FDA, regulatory, our AGA governing uh, bodies, all the way through, you know, you know, trainees interested in innovation, um, and then people actually outside of gastroenterology who, you know, we have a lot of great people attending this year, uh, whether they're, their expertise is in reimbursement or their expertise, or, you know, their payers or their you know, expertise is in the topic subset, but maybe not even within gastroenterology. And I think once you bring all these people into one house, A, uh, it creates an unbelievable networking atmosphere for people who are trying to meet, you know, and, and as, as we all know, uh, as you get into innovation, you get into the space, it's all about that networking and sort of finding people who are like-minded to be successful. And then we actually present certain pertinent topics that highlight some of the barriers and certain exciting areas of innovation that are hot in our field. You know, this year, you know, we feature some of the things around artificial intelligence, uh, this concept of digital empowerment. We'll be talking a little bit about sort of what's happening in the in terms of uh, the environmental footprint of endoscopy and this green endoscopy movement, uh, obesity and metabolism. This is another hot area, new imaging modality. So these are all pretty amazing and great topics for the practitioner, but there's so much more behind that when you start talking about what's happening from those who are building the field from the ground up in terms of innovators, entrepreneurs, investors, payers. And that's where these stakeholders will be sitting in one place together, upcoming here March 8th through 10th uh, in San Francisco. And we really, uh, it, it, be, it has become one of the most, I think, awe-inspiring, motivating meetings that I've ever attended. And I think everyone who comes feels that way. And that's kind of why we've seen this uptick in people want to be involved with CJIC because they come and attend the meeting. And they leave so inspired that, hey, there's actually something we can do to push innovation along further. So we encourage everyone from the smallest startup to a gastroenterologist who just wants to improve their practice to attend. And you're staying true to your core. Uh, I've been impressed with the fact that you're bringing fellows, trainees in. I mean, so you're staying true to your educational core uh, and what you said at the opening of the show Tell us what you're doing with the fellows at this at this meeting. Yeah, it's a, you know I think what we realized also is that you know it's like anything else. The earlier we start training around innovation, the better, and we start finding that uh, as we know, a lot of the applicants for even medical school, let alone fellowship or residency, it's hard to get into to med school these days and college even. And these kids are trained beyond belief, and a lot of them have interests outside of medicine and really. Uh, have pursued innovation, if not for desire, for need to get into the next step. And so once we identified that, we've created this day for them on the day prior to the Tech Summit, which is a fellows immersion day. 
which they work with various companies and industry and tour their facilities and meet with entrepreneurs and innovators uh, and really start to try to, you know, you know, invigorate their interest in innovation because they will be the future. And I think we found that to be fruitful because we now have people who've gone through that program on the committee being successful participants and people who have actually gone on to, you know, again, develop their own products and companies. I, I, I think it's fantastic. I, I can't imagine I had we had no opportunities like that when I was uh, yeah. in my training. I'd like to uh, move us finally. You use the term digital empowerment, and for the for the listeners, my best non healthcare example for the audience is an ATM. I can remember back in the nineteen eighties where whenever I went on vacation, I had to go out and get American Express travelers checks because you didn't know if you were going to have access to cash. Today, you can put that ATM card in any ATM machine anywhere in the world and have access to your money. That's digital empowerment. So how, how do you see digital empowerment in the work you're doing? Yeah, and I think this is a, and I, I do want to give credit to many of the members of CJ who we all came up with this term. A lot of this stemmed from the idea of, as we continue to talk about innovation, specifically artificial intelligence, and, you know, there's been such a focus and sometimes we put our heads down, we forget about what's actually most important here. And, and it's the patient experience, it's the physician satisfaction. And what it, what is it that we can actually do innovatively to improve that? And it's not, again, about the widgets and, and another tool that can, you know, tell you whether that's a polyp or not a polyp. And what we kind of found was we want to get to a scenario where physicians are not bogged down by things like the electronic health record for their entire time, especially during their active you know, clinics and things where you don't even pay attention to the patient anymore. And this happens, unfortunately, where many of us are stuck in front of a computer and we're not actually, you know, I started this kind of uh, discussion about a physician who motivated me who did nothing but talk to his patients and never touched a computer in his life. And I think, not that we ever get back to that, but wouldn't it be great that you could go to your physician and they actually have a conversation with you face-to-face for a period of time that's meaningful. And that is digital empowerment, is how do we provide tools with artificial intelligence to get you an hour back a day, to get off the computer, to use automation, to you know take care of notes and orders and all these things that we do that has become such a burden and, and, a, and a big piece of physician burnout really affects the patients in the end too. And I think we all know, you know our friends and people and families who go to doctors and their biggest complaint is, boy, you know, he only had a few minutes and didn't even like, you know, on the computer, he's not talking to me. And so that's something that we can't lose sight of with all this innovation. It's got to solve that problem. Yeah. A digital scribe. Yep. 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 AI driven digital scribe. Okay. Last question, my friend. I'm about 20 years older than you. (laughs) Um, Where do you want to be? What's what's the rest of your career? Uh, it's a great question. I, you know, I think currently uh, one of my main roles, which is which has kind of been a part of all of this uh, in my day job, is figuring out how to integrate our healthcare system at Northwestern, which is a great representation of a lot of healthcare systems in the country. You have an academic medical center, and you have a lot of practices which are in different settings that are representative of of you know many things, rural areas, you know very affluent suburbs where there are great payer mixes. And so I think that challenge of merging, how do we, if, when you talk about integration in the healthcare system, you really are talking about educating, you're talking about innovating, you're talking about relationships, you're talking about bringing all this together. And that challenge 
for me is is what I'm doing now and what I foresee uh, what I really enjoy doing uh, is working with so many subsets of people to see how we get their level of care that they provide to their patients to improve. And it's not just again about the academic world; it's really about what we call the quote unquote real world, right? And so the integration of all of these minds. Uh, and building relationships that ultimately can accelerate innovation in clinical practice. And if I can accomplish that in this type of a healthcare system, I would consider my future successful. We're going to watch this all develop at your handle. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on the show today, Sri. Thanks to the audience for tuning in. You can learn more about the show on the program's page on healthcarenowradio.com. Lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at HCNowRadio. Follow us at Sonar on Twitter, at SonarMD. We're bringing patients, providers, and payers together to reimagine GI care. Until next time, I'm Dr. K. Stay well. 